Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Baum of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Come to you live from our studios right here in Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have everyone with us this morning. If you are joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. We're here every day, Monday through Friday, from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for an expository teaching in the Word of God. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, you can go to our website, which is located at www.biggrace.com www.biggrace.com that's b-i-g-g-r-a-c-e dot com and you can check out the ministry of Raven Ministries International just so you won't have to worry and wonder we're all about lifting up the name of Jesus to the nations and bringing people to him through his mercy and his sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary but go and take a look at that website and you'll get some more information on what we're doing not just in our our Raven Institute which is our live interactive Bible study but also in uh, work out in the, the, the streets and the highways and the hedges and the byways amongst the the poor and the needy and the destitute preaching the gospel of the lord jesus christ that's really what we're all about is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry or as the acronym of our name goes to restore a vision in order to evangelize nations and what that will do when you know the word it'll make you to do the work of an evangelist just like he uh, implored uh, the the young preacher timothy in second timothy chapter four to do that work of evangelist regardless of where you are certainly we do many events and and things like that around the nature but what it'll do is it'll birth something inside of you whether you're at work or at school or or in your neighborhood you'll have that unction and that urge to tell people about christ jesus why because you have the Word of God hidden inside of you, and what it will do is it will compel you to go and do those things that God has instructed in His Word. So that's what we're here for, is to put the Word of God inside of your life and to allow it to, to, to bring forth some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. So thank you so much. If you have questions about the program or questions about the Word of God, you can send those to our email address at raven, R-A-V-E-N, at biggrace.com, raven at biggrace.com. Love to answer any of your questions. you got questions as we study here, as I said, the book of the Revelation. Love to answer your questions live on the air. Uh, or if you have other biblical questions, you know what, we'll just do a personal correspondence with you through our, our email and uh, answer your questions. If you have prayer requests, send those to pray, P-R-A-Y, at biggrace.com. Love to lift up those prayers uh, that you send in on a daily basis and believe God for your miracle. Hey, folks, not only that, send your prayer request in, absolutely, but also send in your testimonies. We'd like to hear just the breakthroughs, the things they're doing, because we pray with an expectancy and we pray in faith because we know that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous not the righteous based upon what we've done, but our righteousness, which has been imputed to us through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to hear about those testimonies and those breakthroughs and those things that God has done. We've seen many and we've testified of many as well. Or if there's things going on in your uh, neck of the woods, wherever you're at doing ministry, we'd like to hear about those things and to pray for those. And if possible, to lend a hand of a support or whatever we can do to help facilitate the, the, the work within God's kingdom. We're not just about lifting up our name or our ministry. We're about lifting up the name above every other name. And that's the name name of Jesus. So we want to know about your, your prayer requests, but we also want to hear the testimonies and the things that God is doing in your life, anything that we can be praying about or help you in in any way as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask for God's blessing and direction on today's time of teaching as we get into the Word of God and just for to give us clarity and understanding. What you're going to find, folks, is the, 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 the sharper the shovel, the deeper the hole. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And so I believe what we're seeing in this last day is really God just sharpening us with the Word of God. And, and if, you take a, if you take a knife or, or a sword or a blade or even a, an axe, and what, what you do is you, you, you draw it across a whetstone. 
You know, that's the old school way of sharpening. Draw it across a whetstone, and a whetstone is something that's going to put an edge on it. You, it's, a, it's a mixture of the, the stone and the, and the water that you drive it across, and you begin to put an edge on it. And that's what the Word of God does to us in times of study. It sharpens our edge. And so, and what you find is you, as you sharpen that edge or sharpen the shovel, you go, you go deeper and deeper into the things of God. And so my prayer is, as we're starting out here, in, the, in you know, as we're in the third chapter now, and we've, we're, what, 18 lessons in as of today, that your shovel will get sharpened. And what it will do is it will cause you to just go deeper and deeper into a greater revelation uh, that God has. So I'm here today kind of as your, as your teacher or your whetstone uh, to hopefully sharpen you enough that you're going to leave this place and you're going to go and deep, get deeper into the things that God has for you and get a greater revelation revelation of himself so father today we come and lord god we ask that you would drag our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our understanding lord god against the whetstone of your word father we, we we love you and we desire lord god to know you in a deeper and more intimate way and we ask right now in jesus's name lord god that father as we study your word that you just reveal yourself to us lord god in a greater way that lord god we would get that revelation of your presence of your power lord god the deep things of god that you just begin to show us things lord god that have been reserved Lord God, for this generation. We know that many noble, many mighty men desire to see and hear what we've seen and heard, Lord God. But Lord God, that, that, that they did not get to see those things because it's for this generation, Lord God, that's going to behold the coming of the Lord Jesus. So I pray, Lord God, for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ, not just in, in this nation of the U.S., Lord God, but those that join us, Lord God, from around the world, Lord God, for a study in the Word. And I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us, Lord God, would come to a new level of understanding, Lord God, that you would open our eyes and remove the scales, Lord God, that, that have come upon us, Lord God, anything that would inhibit, Lord God, or hinder, Lord God, our understanding of you. We need you. Father, I thank you, Lord God, today that the Word has given me a promise. It says that the Spirit of God leads and guides into all truth, Lord God. In the Gospel of John, he, he gives us that promise of the Comforter, Lord God, and in Romans, Lord God, He, he, he shows us that the, the, the Spirit of God in us, Lord God, is going to empower us, Lord God, and we, we see throughout the Word, we, 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 we see in First John, Lord God, that we have no need that any man teach us, but the Spirit of God has come upon us, Lord God. God, that's enabled us to understand, Father, even in the absence of, of instruction, Lord God. So I thank you that we have a, a teacher present with us today as we come into the Word of God in the person of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that, that reveals, Lord God, those things that were once in darkness, Lord God, to those that were destitute. But today, Lord God, our eyes have been opened because of the light of the Word of God, and we thank you that we can come, Lord God, to the table of the Lord, Father, and have that communion and that fellowship in the Word. So I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Father, anyone that's been struggling, Lord God, anyone that's had their, their eyes blinded by circumstance, Lord God, that have found themselves, Lord God, impaled, Lord God, by the things of this world. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for healing, for restoration, Lord God. Father, for an understanding, Lord God, for a wisdom, Lord God, that trans, uh, Lord God, that, that, that just go way over and above, Lord God, anything that we could ever uh, see, know, or think, Lord God, in the natural. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we just come before you. We ask you to cleanse our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, and just cause us, Lord God, to look deeper, Lord God, into you, Lord God, as we look deeper into your word. Come fill us with your presence, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity, Lord God, that I'm honored, Lord God, to serve you and to serve your people, Lord God. Father, as we look to the Word of God today, and everybody said, Amen, 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 and Amen. Once again, thank all of you for joining us today. For just now slipping in, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live from Daytona Beach, Florida. We're continuing in our study in uh, the book of the Revelation, or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. It's looking deeper. And I always want to bring that uh, to the point is that it's not a, a, a look at uh, uh, just merely prophecy. It's not just a look at uh, eschatology. It's not a look at the Antichrist. It's a deeper look at the Lord Jesus Christ. I got an a, a email just recently 
somebody just thinking this for the uh, the teaching. They said, you know, I've, I've looked at it and I've studied it before, but never uh, to this degree looking at Jesus. They said, I've always looked at the prophetic side of it. I've always looked at kind of the end times or tribulatory type situation, but never just addressed it from the standpoint of all these things are just going to point me closer to Jesus. And so if, if, if that's what we're accomplishing in this teaching, folks, that's our goal. It's to point you closer and closer to Jesus and give you a greater understanding of who he is and what he desires to do in and through you in this late hour. Folks, you know, like I said, in our last class, what we began to do is, is look at what really could be termed the final chapter in the church age. And, and, and really what we're going to see here, what we have begun to look at, is, is really a, a kind of a detailed description of the conditions and the going-ons of the church in, in a period of time that's going to be leading up right to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, you know, we, we, we talked about this a lot of times, that Jesus told the, the people that would come to him and try to uh, try to catch him and stuff, he said, look, you can go outside and look at the, the sky and you know it's going to rain, etc. He said, can you not discern the signs of the times? Folks, if there's a gift that is needed in this day and age right now, uh, probably more so or, or, or at least equal than any other, it's the gift of discernment. There is such a lack of discernment uh, operating in the body of Christ. And, and you see it. I mean, discernment to, to see error, discernment to, to not fall into the trappings of sin, uh, discernment in understanding the word of truth. And so my prayer is for myself and for you is that God would just give us discernment to, to see and to understand that, you know, it, as he said in time and time again in this revelation, he said, let those that have eyes to see, see. Let those that have ears to hear what the Spirit speaketh unto the church. You know what he's saying? Please have some discernment in the things that I'm trying to tell you. Because what happens is, is when you, the lack of discernment is like trying to walk around with your eyes closed. It's not. It's, it's having a total lack of spiritual perception. And the way that you get discernment is standing in the Word and standing in your face in prayer and listening to the voice of God. Not just taking anything, as we'd say with the adage, that anything that comes down the pike. And you see so many people disillusioned, discouraged, you know, uh, 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 disassociating themselves with the body of Christ because they have no discernment. And so we've got to get back to the place of, of discernment and understanding what God is speaking and operating in that clarity and in that transparency that God has. And discernment really... You talk about the First Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to turn there. But the gift of discernment, basically what it means, it's a heightened awareness of the spiritual realm. And so if I'm walking in discernment, I'm walking in a heightened awareness of the spiritual realm. Folks, I don't want to just walk and see according to the natural man. You know, we studied it in Romans that the just shall live by faith. And, and we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And faith takes us to another realm. It takes us to a dimension of understanding that transcends the natural man and gives us the mind of the Lord. And so discernment is saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get a, a mentality, I'm going to get a view that is derived from my foundational stance upon the word of truth. And so uh, all these things are what's coming up, and we need to have that type of discernment. And so as we're talking about this, Really, the, 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 the pervasive train of thought that we dealt with in our last request is this whole issue, and it's here on the screen if you're watching this live, is that whole issue of relativism or the idea of men doing what's right in their own eyes. And, that, and, and really, that, that, that whole Laodicean word derived from the, the, the Greek word meaning the justice of the people or that this was really, folks, an era uh, and an age where there were really no moral absolutes, and we're living in that era, uh, because all things are measured through the opinions, the experiences, and really kind of the general notions of the individual. That's your idea. That's your opinion. I was talking to a, uh, a brother and a sister in the Lord last evening, and they were talking about an individual that they were counseling. 
And they were taking this person to the Word. This person had, had found himself in all types of sin and rebellion. And they began to share, well, I told them, well, here's, here's what the Bible says. Here's what you did. And the, the response that always came back, well, that's your opinion. That's the way you see it. That's your opinion. That's the way you see it. Folks, that is the spirit of Laodicea. And that's what I told the, the folks that I was t- counseling last night regarding their counsel is what they were up against is that Laodicean mentality of the justice of the people. That's just what you think. That, that's your opinion. That's just the way you look at it. Folks, really, there's only one opinion that matters, and it's not an opinion at all. It's the truth of the Word of God. And that's why I know Scripture is given for private interpretation, that we've got to come back and say, God, show me what you're speaking. And so a better way maybe of understanding this and I touched on this just a little bit in our, our 17th class is really it becomes right down to the deification of man or the humanification of God and what that means is is the Laodicean age it elevates man to a more loftier role than what they think you know a man ought not to think of himself more highly than he should and that's exactly what the Laodicean thing it's elevated man and so within this age this Laodicean age which runs uh, primarily from the early 1900s uh, the, the turn of the 20th century to the present day leading up to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the onset of the tribulation, which will lead into the the millennial reign of Christ, is this whole deification of man. We've wanted man to be lifted up. We've promoted self-help. We've promoted uh, uh, self-esteem. All these things that sound real good. You know, you've got to teach your children to have self-esteem. You've got to you get you this self-help book. You've got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. What it becomes, it becomes self-reliance that leads to a deification. So we begin to think that we have the power over such things. And we, we think, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, you go, you go to the doctor and maybe you're having a problem in your body and you go to the doctor and you're wanting what? You're wanting him to tell you something. He's a run test. And you hear people say, well, listen, I'm just going to have a little bit of peace of mind. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Maybe you said that yourself. I'm just going for a little peace of mind. But what ends up happening is now you put your peace of mind in the hands of what he says rather than what the Word says. And it's, it's a subtle thing, but it's a trap of this age. And so basically what we're left to do if we have that mentality is always react to, to the outside uh, influences that the world brings us, rather than the Word of God, which does not change, which does not waver, which will not pass away. And so what man has done is he's elevated himself to a place where he's going to define God for God. He's going to tell himself, okay, here's what I want. Here's the type of God. You know, an old country western song back in the 70s says, you know, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Me and Jesus got our own worked out. In other words, this guy could do what he wanted to do. And, and you know, he had his own opinion about God. And God just understood him. And God saw him. And folks, I hear that type of rhetoric repeated over and over again. And the humanification of God is just bringing God down and saying, you know what? God's just going to have to understand Folks, i got news for you. God don't have to understand anything. God is God all by himself. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is holy. He is just. He is seated upon a throne in glory and above him. There is no other. God does not have to understand any way, uh, anything or any way. Because here's the thing about this. God created all things. He, 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 by his uh, might, he, he spoke life and power into existence. He upholds all things by the, by the, 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 the power of his, 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 the word of his power. All these things are derived from him. And so God could wipe everything out and nobody would ever know it. That's the power that God has. He could just blank you from, from the memory. 
But because he's merciful, because he's good, he gives us an opportunity to come and to return unto him. So this whole deification of man versus the humanication of God. It, it really, this, this, and I want, to, I want to say this to you too, and hopefully you'll, you'll see this a little bit clearer, what we're dealing with, not just in the early 1900s, but right here in, as we're uh, looking at the, the uh, here in the 2000s as well. What the Laodicean period has done and what the modern church has done, being that Laodicean church, is to adopt a Luciferian mentality. To adopt a Luciferian mentality. And so I say Lucifer, you understand who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Satan. I'm talking about the, the one that was cast out of heaven, who was, was Lucifer, that was uh, called Satan. L-U-C-I-F-E-R-I-A-N. There you go. Luciferian mentality that really was introduced uh, to humanity back in the very beginning. And I want you to look how it was introduced. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Genesis 3, 1 through 5. Folks, you know, the Ecclesiastes tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. Absolutely not. The thing about the adversary, he's, he's not creative whatsoever. What he does, he recycles everything. And so what you see is at the beginning of the fall of man, he brought his Luciferian mentality in. And now at the close of the age, what's he doing? He is trying to reinvent that same Luciferian mentality. You ask what it is? Well, I'm fixing to tell you. It says, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, The serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you will not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. In other words, he's, listen, God said here's what you can do, and here's what you cannot do. If you do what's right, you'll live. If you do what's right, you'll die. Folks, that's the message of the gospel. I'm telling you what to do. If you do it, you'll live. If you don't, you'll die. The, 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 the fruit of the Spirit is, we can go into that through Galatians, and we know what those things are. But uh, if we look at Matthew 7, a good tree does not bear forth bad fruit. A bad tree does not bear forth good fruit. And so what tree do we need to consume? The good tree. And so he's saying there's a bad tree or tree that you do not need to receive. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows in the day that you eat of it your eyes will be open, and you will be like God. The deification of man, knowing good and evil. And so there's that justice by the people. And so it's, you can be like God. And so what does God? God has the ability to declare. God has the ability to, to see in the future. God. And so what Lucifer told uh, them, uh, Satan speaking through the serpent, said, listen, you can do what you want to. It's not going to kill you. It's not sin. It's all relative. And what God just don't want you to do is he does not want you to know what he knows because what he's doing is he's really keeping you back from the full experiences that you can have. And folks, that's a lie straight from the pits of hell. And so... You know, it was it was introduced to humanity right there in the garden, but really it began in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? And how you are cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the most high. I will be deified. I will have that role. And so what Satan was guilty of, folks, and what led to really the subsequent fall of man is the exact same mentality that's being introduced with a vengeance in these last days. But no longer is it being uh, introduced right there in the corridors of heaven. 
no longer is it being introduced within the, the, the framework of the Garden of Eden, but it's being introduced through the pulpits of America and this whole Luciferian mentality. It's a Luciferian gospel. If, if you could say it, it's not good news in the sense of the gospel, but it's a, it's a Luciferian message that is coming into the church that has tried to elevate man. We've, uh, we, we sell the books, Have Your Best Life Now, and, and, and uh, Write Your Own Ticket with God, and, and all these type of things, which, folks, is, it's doctrines of devils, literally doctrines of devils because these doctrines were birthed out of the fall of, of Lucifer in the, in the timeless past and introduced to humanity right there in, in Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 and so now it's no longer just something that, that, that we have to watch the world do but it's something literally that the church has found themselves embodied by in this uh, Laodicean age and, and I'm going to give you a couple of examples of this whole deification of man and the humanification of God that's, that's play, taking place right now in the, in the Laodicean church age most of you have probably heard of a TV guy, one of these TV quote-unquote evangelists, uh, which is a total misnomer. Uh, Kenneth Copeland, or Kenneth Copeland Ministries, or the Believer's Voice of Victory. He's somebody that he and his wife, Gloria, are on television all the time, and they sit down and, and not unlike a forum like this, and usually have somebody with them, and they're talking over their coffee and all these things, and they're, they're quote-unquote talking about the Bible. I want to give you some quotes. So these are quotes. If you want the exact reference, you can email me at raven at biggrace.com and I'll show you exactly where you can go and get these things yourself so you don't have to think I'm just making them up to pick on uh, some TV preacher. But, but here's what he said. He said, uh, uh, speaking in, in uh, Kenneth Copeland's reference edition of the Bible. Now, he has his own reference edition uh, uh, dated 1991, page 45. It says, God spoke, unto the, spoke Adam into existence in authority with words. These words struck Adam's body in the face, his body and God's were exactly the same size. Okay? This is him speaking. God spoke Adam into existence in authority with words. These words struck Adam's body in the face. His body and God's body were exactly the same size. And so what Kenneth Copeland is saying is that Adam was basically an exact replica of God. Now I'm going to go on. This is from his Spirit, Soul, and Body audio tape that he recorded in 1985. Audio tape number 010601, side one. God is a being that is very uncanny the way, in a way. He's very much like you and me, a being which stands somewhere around six foot two or six foot three and weighs somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 pounds or a little better and has a hand span of nine inches across. What is the humanification of God? I'll go on. Here's from his believer's voice of, of victory audio tape. Adam was the copy. He looked just like God. If you stood Adam upside beside God, they looked exactly alike. If you stood Jesus and Adam side by side, they would look and sound exactly alike. Okay? Copeland also said this. He said, uh, speaking of Jesus dying on the cross. And here's what Copeland said. He said, speak, he said he was speaking to God. He said, you couldn't dare mean that I could have done the exact same thing. Speaking of Jesus bringing salvation to the cross. It says, God answered him, it's Copeland's quote, he says, oh yeah, if you, had done, if you had had the knowledge of the word of God that Jesus had, you could have done the same thing because you're a reborn man too. Copeland basically said if he had had the knowledge then that Jesus had, he could have died upon the cross. So what you see in that quote is the humanification of Jesus, reducing who he was as that, that one lamb slain before the foundation of the world, and elevating this, this person who is popular. 
You know what? You, 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 you'll, you'll quote somebody like that and people will stop their ears because they, they like what he says. They don't want to look at the root, the Luciferian doctrine that he teaches. Why? Because he preaches a health and wealth thing that sounds enough like mainstream Christianity. This man is not a brother in the Lord, folks. I'll warn you and I could give you names of these people that teach this, this heresy is what they were. Uh, what it is, and the scripture says after the second or third admonition, treat them as a heretic. And so this is not a brother. This is a heretic that uses the name of Jesus for selfish gain. I'm going to give you another one. Here's one that, that's a little bit more in your face, so to speak. And this, this I'll, I'll read this right from a, 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 the CNN News, Miami, Florida. Some of you may have heard about this. It says, this minister has the number 666 tattooed on his arm. But Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda is not your typical minister. De Jesus, or daddy as his thousands of followers call him, does not merely pray to God. He says that he is God. De Jesus, 61, grew up in a poor Puerto Rico neighborhood, and he said he served stints in prison there for petty theft and says he was a heroin addict. De Jesus says he learned he was Jesus reincarnate when he was visited in a dream by angels. The prophets, they spoke about me. It took me time to learn that, but I'm, I am what they were expecting, what they have been expecting for 2,000 years, said De Jesus. De Jesus preaches there is no devil and no sin, and his followers, he says, literally can do no wrong in God's eyes. The church calls itself the government of God on earth and uses a seal similar to that of the United States of America. And so what this guy was doing is having his, his followers take the mark of the beast. And it was all over the news. And they were saying, well, listen, we're, we're just proving to you that we're not blaspheming because if we really were, then this would send us to hell. Or, or he don't even teach that there's a hell or a devil or sin. And so, folks, listen, the very basis of this Antichrist spirit is, is derived through one thing. It's called self-exaltation which is the very heart of this relativism or justice by the people or the church of Laodicea. Now look at Mark chapter 13, the Gospel of Mark chapter 13, verses 21 through 22. Mark chapter 13, the Gospel of Mark 13, 21 through 22. Here's the warning that was given to the, to, to, to the apostle there in Mark. And he said, If any man shall say unto you, Lo, there is Christ, or Lo, here he is here, believe him not. For false Christ and false prophets shall arise and shall show signs and wonders to, to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. He said what's going to rise up in the Greek is this pseudo-Christos or this pseudo-prophetes. And so it's a, a false or a, a pseudo-version. We get our word pseudo, we, a pseudonym or something meaning that the, it's similar to. And so this, this pseudo-Christos or this pseudo-prophetes, as it said, that, that it's a false anointed one or a false one that's been set apart or a false one that's speaking on behalf of God. And so what's going to happen in the Laodicean age, in which we see it and we've, we've touched on it and we're going to continue in it, is you're going to have this thing that has a semblance. It has something that, that, that seems to be derived from the source. But if you look beyond the, super, uh, the, the superficial nature of it and begin to look at the heart of it or the foundation or the premise in which it's been established, you're going to find that it's just exactly the opposite. It's not the anointed one. It's not set apart for, for godly service. It does not not speak on behalf of God, but it speaks under the authority of self. It speaks under the, the, the directive of self-exaltation and self-promotion. And so what this age will produce, folks, and, and, and we're going to be talking about this. I'll probably take a whole other day at least on the church at Laodicea because it's so relative to where we are today. What the church of this age of the Laodicean church produces are these false Christs that appeal really to the soulish Natural man, and what they do is they seduce him through the works of the flesh. 
The, the rise of, of all these false religions, folks, that we see so much, Mormonism, its heyday has been in the Laodicean age. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses, their heyday, the, 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 the Laodicean age. All these, uh, many other cults, I guarantee if we just did a study on, on where the cults really took their, their, their grip in the framework of society, folks, it's been within this Laodicean age. And I'm not talking about non-Christian paganism. I'm talking cults that will, that will wrongly use the pseudo-Christos and the pseudo-prophetes. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll try to take those words of the scripture and twist them as, as their, their, their false message and, and going to seduce people. And so what it's done, and, and it's really done and it's being done right now, it, it's so shrewd and so cunning that it re, re, really continues to utilize all this Christianese, yet has not the spirit of Christ. Folks, listen, you, you'll go and you'll talk to people that, that have the right bumper sticker. They got their King James Bible, but they've taken, they've, they've twisted the word for, for personal gain. And they, they, they've somehow convinced the masses and the multitudes that it's okay, that you can adopt the, the things of this world and, and it's really not anything that's going to affect you. It's the exact same message that this uh, Jose uh, Luis de uh, Jesus Miranda is, is teaching his followers down in Miami. He's just not asking them to take the mark on their, their right hand or in their forehead. He's t asking them to take the mark of the beast within the confines of their heart and the teaching, which is a number of a man. And we'll talk about that when we get to it. And so I want to look at this word that was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah concerning this matter. And, and he tells us exactly what it is. And as I read these verses from Jeremiah 23, 16 through 21, what you're going to see is just how this is coming to pass. And here's Jeremiah. Literally, what you're going to hear is these, these words of Jeremiah just echoing through the ages to us right now. And listen to what he says. He says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. Do you hear that? They will make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, relativism, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of their own heart, they will say, no evil shall come upon you. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and received and heard this word? Who has marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, a violent whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand this perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Folks, what does it do? It makes them of no value. And we, we touched on, on that neither hot or cold but be spewing. And we'll look at that just a little bit more this morning as well. But he says they, 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 they prophesy from their own hearts. He wants to say, you're going to have peace. No evil is going to come upon you. Folks, if you've ever been around some of these, these folks that, that, that do these things, it's always, it's always a sweet word. They'll come to you and they'll say, listen, man, I just want to tell you, God told me you're going to get a breakthrough, that you're going to get money, that you're going to find that right mate, that everything's going to be great, your name's going to be good, you're going to be preaching to the multitudes, God's going to send you to this faraway place. Where is the place that God is going to purge you, God is going to refine you, uh, God is going to deal with you? You know, those are the words that echo from the, the passages of Scripture. And that's good news. Why? Because it tells us, listen, this place is not our home, that God is working a, a work of refinement and correction and, and restoration in our hearts that He can present us to Himself as a glorious church. But it prophesied in Jeremiah, it says, 
You're going to understand the latter days. They're going to come and they're going to be preaching peace and safety. Then sudden destruction is going to come. I challenge you guys that have been involved in the charismatic, the Pentecostal movement, just as I have. I believe in prophecy. Absolutely. If it, as long as it lines up with the word. I believe in the gifts of the spirit as long as they line up there. I believe all those things. I, I believe in, in the manifestation of those things. But not in this hocus pocus uh, flesh-driven Luciferian mentality that is being utilized for the self-promotion, the promotion of men in order to get in people's pockets and begin to tell you these, give you these great swelling words and tell you everything's going to be okay. Folks, I got news for you. Everything is not going to be okay. Okay? It's not. In this world, you are going to suffer persecution. They hated Jesus. You're going to be hated. You preach the gospel, you may not preach to the multitudes. You may have to just preach to that one old drunk out in the corner or that woman that's, that's there isolated in a, in a, uh, in a, in a nursing home. It, it may be your neighbor, it may be your family, it may be people that are going to snarl at you, and, and you're going to be despised for preaching the truth. They're not going to put a cookie in your hand and a crown upon your head and thank you, say, thank you so much for telling me the truth. They're not going to do that, folks. They rejected him, they're going to reject you. You too as Jesus said, will have to drink from that cup of suffering. Why don't they prophesy that? Because that don't sell tapes and records and books and videos, folks. That doesn't get people paying a ticket to come and hear you in some stadium event. You hear what I'm saying? Folks, that is the marking of the false prophet. They're going to, tell, they're going to smile in their, in their face. They're going to tell you all these great things. But folks, i got a warning to you. Behold, thus saith the Lord. Woe unto you when men all should speak well of you. Do you hear what I'm saying? That is, behold, thus saith the Lord. That's what he said in his word. We've got to look to the source, which is Christ. Jesus. Do you understand perfectly now? Folks, he said in the latter days that we will see exactly what he spoke. Let me give you something else. 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. And so folks, if there's going to be false teachers, I need to be aware of it. I've told you many times, don't take anything I said to the bank. You know you take it and measure it against the word. I'm not untouchable. I'm not inerrant. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to keep it as close to the vest as I can and staying just as close to the Word of God. But if I say something that is, is contrary to the Scripture, I encourage you, I implore you, I challenge you, I beg of you, I welcome you. Let me know. Send me a personal email, Pastor Troy at BigGrace.com or call me on my cell phone, 504-202-0939. Whatever, however you need, knock on my door, 1117 Shockney Lane, Ormond Beach, Florida. That's my personal I'm not hiding from anybody it's out here you tell me the truth because I'm accountable to you if I'm willing to speak unto you but there's this whole thing that they don't want to do it there's going to be false teachers among you but we've got to search the scriptures who privily shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction and many how many a few, many, will follow their pernicious ways by reason of who the way of truth shall be evil spoken of and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation will not slumber. Pernicious, I love that word. Basically what that means is self-gratification. That is the whole ideology of relativism uh, and, and that pernicious way is it's, it's having unbridled lust. You know, just do what you want to do, and it's up to you. You, you're, If it feels good, do it. Uh, it means excess. Folks, you think about the church of today, excess. 
spending multiple, multiple millions upon millions of dollars, billions worldwide, as the, for these 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 edifices that that are that are symbols of humanity and not of Christ Jesus. And it's just let's get the creature comforts and and, and let's forget about really taking the gospel to the lost and dying world, folks. Do I think there's anything wrong with with having a decent place to to go and gather together? We're absolutely not. I do not think there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a heat heat on in the winter and the the AC on in the, the summer and bringing people together to to teach them and to instruct them and to have. There's nothing wrong. But when it's edif- when these edifices have become almost palatial in their in their their their, their design and, and it's robbing the community and basically what it's doing it's siphoning off the resources that need to be going somewhere else. Is it okay for one church to be established with these like I said palatially in one neighborhood and down the street somebody suffering? Folks, that's just not the biblical mandate that God has given us. And so it says, through this covetousness, I'll make merchandise. It means licentiousness. It means lasciviousness, wantonness, outrageous. It's outrageous is what that pernicious says. It's, it's so unbelievable. You know, I read something like this, and, and many of you said, that's just outrageous. Folks, that's what they're teaching all the time. But what's happening, because many people don't know the word, their ears are stopped to it, and they just do not realize how outrageous it is. That's why we always want to bring you back to a place where what you're hearing is always going to be siphoned through the Word of God. It's going to be filtered through the truth that you know. David, once again, he's hidden the Word of God in his heart that he wouldn't sin against him, that he would not miss the mark, that he would not reduce the standard, that he would not dilute the the crimson blood to to something more palatable or something that's going to bring self-gratification. And it's a shamelessness. They do it without even any shame to it. That's what pernicious ways is. They can look you in the eye and they can say, you know, send your vow or send your fifty nine ninety nine for this great revelation that I got. And they do not even bat an eye. You know, a number of years ago, many of you have heard of Jim Baker, who was selling, had this Christian theme park, I believe, in somewhere in the Carolinas, all these things, and he fell. And after he got out of prison, spent a number of years in prison, after he fell, he put out this book called I Was Wrong. And basically in it, he just renounced all the practices that he did. And, you know, and, and it, was a, it was a riveting book. And, you know, I read it, and Melly and I both did. I mean, it's a book, you know, three or four inches thick. And it was one of those ones you don't want to put it down because you're just seeing this man's heart opened up and, and seeing the revelation of what God dealt with him. But my heart broke again when I noticed he's got a brand new program. You know what he's done? Back to the same things that he was doing before. He no longer has Tammy Faye, but he's got a look-alike wife. And he's still selling all these things and hawking pictures and all this junk on his television program. And it's back to the same thing. Folks, that breaks my heart to see somebody that I know that had to have got it to, to give that, that, that rending of their heart and put it in print. But they're right back to the same things trying to build another kingdom unto men. Folks, that's, that's a great warning to us. But check out what he says. He said that through covetous they shall with vain words make merchandise of you. What that means is we're going to use people for our own personal gain. I talked about this the other day. He said, you know, preachers always say, well, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, yeah, as long as you're doing the giving and they're doing the receiving. What about them being the ones? But folks, what's happened is they've made merchandise of you. Here's what's sad. I've seen pastors make merchandise of their congregation or people that God's placed under them under their gifts and their callings. And what I mean by this 
is that you'll see, I, I got dear friends over the course of 20 something years that have had a tremendous call, tremendously gifted. I mean, far more than, than I was. I mean, I'd, I'd look at them with great admiration, thinking, man, God, if I could just have a bit of the talent, a bit of the gifts that, that they have, man, they're going to. And I'd always look at them with admiration. Some of them were younger than me, and I thought to myself, man, that's just somebody that's got it going on. I wish I could just have the scrapings uh, uh, off of their abilities. But I saw them go into quote unquote churches that just basically made merchandise of them. They wanted them there. They wanted their gifting. But they never would say, listen, I want to help you get to the place that God's called you to. And they basically say, we just want to warehouse you because, you know what, you have a benefit to what I'm doing. You have a benefit to this. Rather than saying, you know what, how can we develop what God has placed upon you and, and get you to the place that you see the fulfillment of the destiny that God has in your life? They just don't do that. Why? Because once they do that and they release you, you're not there to write your check. You're not there to give your, your, your money. Folks, literally, wholesale denominations do that. They raise up these pastors, and what they want to do, they want to say, listen, we're, we're going to be the denominational head, but it's going to cost you such and such and all these things. Folks, I don't believe that's what the Scripture tells us to do. And, but what it becomes is that one thing, self-gratification, making merchandise of you. The Scripture of the Lord Jesus Christ, folks, and the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is self-denial. It's, can I die to myself that I might help you? Can I live altruistically? My life is for someone else's benefit. But, once again, it's prophesied in Jeremiah, prophesied right here and, and revealed to us in the Revelation, which is Christ Jesus. So, we see it, we know it, it's right there, it's made manifest. He that has an ear, Revelation 3, 13 through 16, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. And to the angel of the church at Laodicea, write these things, saith the Amen. Told you, the one who said it's settled. Argue, debate, say you don't agree, get over it, folks, because he said it's Amen. It's already settled. The faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know your works, you are neither hot or cold, and I would that you were hot or cold, so... Then because you were lukewarm, because you're not hot or cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. Well, if I want to go back to that word amen just for a second. You know, people are saying, you know what? Man, if we do something or if the church rises up, we can change things. Folks, you, you can't. Why? Because he's already seen it. And so what we want to do is we want to try to rewrite the book. That's why he gives us the warning at the, at the tail end of the book of the Revelation about not adding to or taking from. Folks, listen, the, the way it's going to be is the way it's going to be. And it's, it's, it's what we're going to be in the midst of the way it is, if I can make it, if that makes any sense to you. Folks, people are saying if we do this and we pray, we're going to have this worldwide revival. It's not in the Bible, folks. It's really not. What the Bible says is there's going to be a great falling away. And so our goal and our desire is to make that great falling away less great. Because people are. They're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. They're going to follow these pernicious ways, just as it's been prophesied. See, the thing about when men prophesy under their own strength, it's always conditional. It is. Men will prophesy and say, and they'll come tell you and say, well, you know, the Lord spoke to me and said you're going to do this. If it doesn't happen, they'll say, well, it was conditional upon you doing X, Y, and Z. Folks, when God speaks, it's not conditional. It's, behold, thus saith the Lord, let there be light. It, was it conditional whether or not they wanted to get in agreement? Absolutely not. When he says it, it's, it's a finished thing. And so when God speaks and he tells us in the, in the last days there will be a falling away, they're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of the devil. People are going to follow their pernicious ways through covenants and through feigned words. They'll make merchandise of you. You know what? You can expect to see those things. Now, our goal is to seek the face of God, that we're going to be found faithful, doing exactly what he's called us to. When he comes, he's going to look into our lives and say, well done, my good and faithful servants. And so, you know, I touched uh, briefly in our last class uh, on this last issue of, uh, on this issue, talking about that, that neither hot or cold or the water issue. 
And, you know, I, I want to say this again because I, I don't want you to miss this. You know, water was something that had such an important place in ancient society because really it represented a life source. And so they, they built their cities. They did their trade. All their things were built around bodies of water. The most prosperous cities were always the ones that were built around water. And, and while, you know, we've associated all this verse, and you've heard it many times, uh, this whole westernized meaning of, of hot and cold, you know, it's, it just wasn't speaking of what John was speaking of. And I gave you the other day in our last class, hot was medicinal, cold was refreshing. Thank you, Dave, for putting it on the screen. I want to give you a scripture along those lines as well. It's out of the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 9 through 14. The Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 9 through 14. And since I read it, you'll, you'll be familiar with this, this text. It says, Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me? Because I'm a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus said unto her, If you knew the gift of God, who it was that saith unto thee, Give me a drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, you don't have anything to draw with, and the well is deep. From where would you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank there of himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Then he also says, down a couple chapters, three chapters, John seven thirty-eight. He that believes on me, as the scripture says. How? As it's, as relativism says, as man says, as, no, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow, underline flow, rivers of living water. Living is that zow. It's, it's that which is not lifeless. It's not dead. It's the water that's moving. And so that living water is the zow. Z-A-O, water that's moving, that's not lifeless, that's not dead, that's going to be refreshing, or it's going to be medicinal. And, and most of you know, and think about this, and we, we share this all the time, and I kind of alluded to it just a few minutes ago, Acts 17:11, that there were those more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with readiness, and they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things be so. Speaking of the Bereans and just their, their desire to know the truth, but they always search the scripture. But you know what? That, that's Acts 17.11. Now drop down in the same context to Acts 17.28. And he says this, For in him, speaking of Jesus, we live and move and have our being. Folks, the living water is what keeps us moving. You hear what I'm saying? Whether it's medicinal, whether it's refreshing. And so it, it, we move out of that. And so when we study the Word of God, what does the Word of God do? It subjects us to the living water. I hide the word in my heart. If I believe as the scripture says, what do I hide? I hide the word of truth. Out of me flows rivers of living water. The goodness of God in, the word in, the word comes out. And in him we live and we move and we have our being. You know, we look at the word that tells us that, that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. Folks, that waiting is not setting somewhere still. It's literally to serve upon the Lord. It's to move in the things of God. And what happens? Then we're able to mount up. We're able to keep moving. We're able to keep progressing. We're able to keep flowing rather than you know uh, stand still 
Or be ye still to see the salvation of God. That was a warning to, to, the, to the Egyptians. That wasn't a promise to you and I. He, he's telling us to, that, that we've got to, to, to keep moving in Him. I tell people all the time, it's easier to catch up moving than it is standing still. You hear what I'm saying? Proverbs 18.22 says this. It says, Understanding is a well spring of life unto him that has it. Proverbs 16.22. Proverbs 18.4 says, The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. And so, folks, here's where we see really kind of that, that, that whole introduction and that spiritual implications of that lukewarm warm water. And I want you to look at something else. You want to see how he gave, he, he kind of tipped the hand of that under the Old Covenant? Turn to Numbers chapter 5. I think you'll, you'll see something powerful right here. Numbers chapter 5, 12 through 24. Numbers 5, 12 through 24. I stay on this because uh, there's been such a, a bad and false and just, just I believe, unlearned teaching, if I can use that, that, that terminology. I, I think many people that, because it's so been westernized, that those verses from Revelation chapter 3, that, you know, I'm on fire, you're hot, or you're cold, the first church, or the frozen chosen. You hear all that stuff. And cold's not bad, folks. You know, somebody that's, that's burning up, cold's very good. Same thing with hot. Somebody that's freezing, you know. So both of those things are good. Lukewarm is that putrid, that stagnant, that non-moving water. Now, I want you to look at Numbers chapter 5. Now, this is when Moses began to get the covenant, began to get the law, and he began to instruct the, the priesthood on how to handle these things. Now, we've talked so many times about these types and shadows. We certainly did it a lot in, in Romans. But I want you to see how it plays out right here in the Revelation as well. Why do I do that? Because... He tipped the hand in, in Revelation 1.1 about, I'm going to signify, I'm going to show you some things. And because John was very schooled, he was a Jew, he understood those, 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 those meanings and these, these types when he's giving this lukewarm aspect. But I want you to look at it closer in Numbers chapter 5, verses 12 through 24. And I'll read it to you. He said, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If a man's wife go aside and commit a trespass against him. In other words, if she commits adultery. Okay? If his woman's wife, a man's wife commits adultery. And so I want you, as I'm reading the next, the continuation of these verses, think of it in regards to not physical adultery, but the spiritual adultery that the church has committed against God. Okay? Think about that. When I'm talking about that, I'm saying that they say they love him, but they've got many lovers. They love the things of the world. Okay? And, and, and it says, commit a trespass against him. And a man lie with her carnally, and it be hid from the eyes of her husband, and be kept close, and she be defiled, that there be no witness against her, neither she be taken with the manner. Now, the King James on that, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of some stack, stuff stacked on top of each other. But basically what it's saying is, you know, say there's somebody that, that's, that's doing evil, but you don't catch them right out. You don't see it. And you don't, you, you know, they're lying about it and they're covering themselves and they're making excuses. Well, that's just your opinion. That's just what you think. What it's talking about is relativism. Everybody's ways are right in their own eyes. You don't see it. Here's what he says. And the spirit of jealousy comes upon the husband, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be defiled. Or if the spirit of jealousy come upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, and she not be defiled. In other words, listen, whatever he's thinking, here's the proof text of it. Then shall the man bring his wife unto the priest, and he shall bring her offering for her, the tenth part of an ephath of barley meal. He shall pour no oil upon it, nor put frankincense therein, for it is an offering of jealousy, an offering of memorial, bringing iniquity to remembrance. In other words, it's coming that bread, that, that, that offering of the flour, the barley meal, is the type of the word. You hear me? Because the word is the bread of life. And so he said, I don't want you to put the oil on it. I don't want you to put the frankincense on it. In other words, I don't want you to, to, to dress it up in worship. I don't want you to dress up anything else. We're just basically bringing it straight back down to the Word. Okay? 
So there's no chance for emotionalism. There's no chance for uh, for uh, for anything self gratification, self serving, self preservation, self uh, 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 prophesying. Nothing. Else. We're just going to bring it, and the offering is going to be an ephah of flour. So bring that accusation, bring the sin, and measure it against the word. And the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take holy water. What kind of water? Holy, holy water in an earthen vessel. What are we? He's put his treasure in our, us. We are earthen vessels. And out of the dust that's on the floor of the tabernacle shall the priest take and put it into the water. Where did we come from? The dust of the earth. I want you to see. I want you to really, folks, I, I bring these things up because I want you to see how there's, there's nothing in the Scripture that's useless. All these things were done as a type and shadow to give you a greater understanding and revelation of the Word. And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and uncover the woman's head and put the offering of a memorial, memorial in her head. What's the, 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 the flower? which is the jealousy offering. And the priest shall have it in his hand, have also in his hand the bitter water that causes the curse. And so he's got the holy water and he's got the bitter water. And the priest shall charge her by an oath and say to the woman, if no man has lain with you, if you've not been committed adultery, and you've not gone aside to uncleanness with another instead of the husband, be, be free from this bitter water that causes the curse. But if you have gone aside... To another instead of your husband, and you shall be defiled, and some man has lain with you besides your husband, then the priest shall charge the woman with an oath of, uh, of cursing, and the priest shall say to the woman, The Lord make a curse and an oath upon your people. And when the Lord does make, uh, will make your thigh to rot and your belly to swell. And this water that causes the curse, there's the bitter water, there's the lukewarm water, shall go into your bowels to make your belly to swell and your thigh to rot. And the woman shall say, Amen. According to your word, so be it. And the priest shall write these curses in a book, and he shall blot them out with bitter water. And he shall cause the woman to drink the bitter water that causes the curse, and the water that causes the curse shall enter into her and become bitter. In other words, she's going to be bitter. It's going to spew. It's going to make her sick. And so, folks, what that's talking about is the spiritual adultery that's happening in these last days. And what the Word of God is showing us is when we ingest those things, it's like bitter water. It brings a curse upon our life. And the only thing that's going to reveal those things is when what? The barley is put into that water. The Word of God is put in. Everything is measured and filtered through it. The water without the barley is called bitter water. And so what the, the modern day church has done, it's tried to adopt a doctrine or a teaching or a, a basis apart from the Word of God. Because when you begin to bring the Word, when you begin to bring the truth, what do they do? They begin to part, depart from it. They don't want to hear what the Word of God says. And so I want to give you, look at this, this really kind of a look, uh, closer look at, at verse 16 of Revelation 3. He said, because you're lukewarm, uh, bitter water, and you're not hot or cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. And so where does he spew them from? Out of his mouth. Did he say, I will not put you in my mouth? Doesn't say that. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth. And so th this indicates that the water had previously made entry into Christ. But now, because it had become bitter, that it was being regurgitated. Folks, you can't regurgitate something that's already, that hasn't been... You can't regurgitate something that hasn't been regurgitated to begin with. 
And so what this does is it truly serves just as one example against the erroneous and very, very dangerous teaching of unconditional eternal security, once saved, always saved. It really flies in the face of that because this was water, so to speak, that was taken in Christ Jesus, but because it was putrid, because it was become lukewarm, he regurgitated it out of his mouth. And so it was cast out from him. And so for you folks that think, you know, listen, I can live any life that I want to and it's okay. And, and God, folks, listen, don't be like that lukewarm. You got to stay moving. I was talking to somebody just recently about uh, James chapter 1 where it tells us, you know, James says that faith without works is dead. And you can have all the, the faith which comes from the Word of God, folks. But if you don't have the vision to activate that and do something with it, it's dead. It's the same thing you can have. We talked about the church at Sardis who had a name that they were alive, but they were really dead. In other words, they, they said a lot of things, but there was no action to it that produced a biblical fruit. Folks, don't fall into that trap and think that you're okay just because, quote unquote, you've got the right name or you've got the right tattoo or the right headband or the right bumper sticker the right t-shirt or you belong to the right organization. There's got to be that flowing of that moving of the Spirit of God constantly in your life that's going to bring you to a place of holiness and righteousness. And because you say, and we'll touch on this this morning, I'm rich in increase of goods and have need of nothing and knoweth not that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He said, I counsel you of me to, uh, with, uh, to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you might be rich and with white raiment you might be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness does not appear. And anoint your eyes with eye saw that they may see. And, and folks, here's the biggest problem. He said, because you say that I am rich. You say. Folks, what's happened is, is this deification of man has put man in the position in the modern church, in the Laodicean church, in the Luciferian type of mentality. That's like, well, I'm telling you what, the way it is. Folks, listen. It don't matter what, how we say it is. What we're going to be measured against is how God says it is. What does God say? And God told them, he said, listen, you say you're all these things. And so in other words, they were enveloped by their own self-deception. They were not willing to look deep into the things of their heart. And you see that so many times. I see it in the body of Christ at large. That there's this, well, I say it, it's a refusal to be transparent. It's a refusal to say, listen, God, I'm undone. I'm unclean. I dwell amongst an unclean people. I have, I have no abilities. And, it, and it's always this, this, this self-deception which leads to self-promotion. And so what they did is what they equated, this Laodicean church, they equated earthly wealth with God's pleasure. They thought that godliness was gain. In other words, the more that we have, the more blessed we are. And so that must mean God's Favor. He's saying just the exact contrary. I was in a, uh, a meeting years and years ago when I first started pastoring. This is nearly uh, 20 years ago. And uh, the, the pastor of this, this large church, uh, several thousand people, uh, he, he stood up and he said, I know why y'all are here because y'all want to be like us. That's basically what he said. And he said, you know, we're like the city that's set on a hill that everyone wants to be like. And everybody's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't believe people did. And I was thinking to myself, I don't want to be like you. You don't, you don't go and minister to the poor. You don't go and preach the gospel. You just sit somewhere and talk about things and with, with, with feigned words and, and swelling speech. You make merchandise of the people. I'm here because I want to meet some of these guys that are from all these other churches. But that was the thing. It was a self-deception. And they thought because they had the biggest building in town or the largest congregation that that somehow could be equated with God's favor. Folks, God is not looking for your success. 
God is looking for your significance. He's not looking for those things that are measured in, in dollars and cents or even in numbers. God is looking at those things that are only measured in righteousness and holiness and truth and the firmness and the dedication of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look into a person's heart and see where those things are. And so what's happened is, is, is they, they had the problem, the problem, they fell into that snare and it was a snare of religion based upon possessions uh, rather than a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ based upon repentance and, and a, uh, 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 really a diversion from the things of this world into a, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking at my time here, folks, and totally, totally out of time again here in this. But we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to stay on this layout of seeing Luciferian church for a while because it is. And I'm going gonna, gonna to bring some things out that you're seeing in contemporary times that are really going to, hope, I hope serves a wake-up call, let you know what we're up against and really cause you to dig deeper in, uh, your, in your commitment to prayer and in seeking the face of God and being obedient and watching your heart and your attitude in all these things. You know, uh, your love, your, your joy, your peace, and not allowing yourself to be responsive to the things, uh, to react to the things of the world, but be responsive to, to the Word of God as well. So, folks, we're out of time. Uh, we'll be back in our, in our next class. Uh, don't forget, we're here Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in our study in the book of the Revelation. We invite you to come. Invite a friend. Have somebody else come out. Email your email list. Say, hey, listen, you've got to come. We're talking about some things that you may need to know about as well. Send that to Raven. And if you have any questions, send that to Raven at BigGrace.com. Prayer request, pray at BigGrace.com. We lift those up to the Lord Jesus Christ. Got some advice for you today. Get into God's Word. God's Word. Get into you.